interesting how it is said that the Lord remains or abides in the hearts of all the beings. In fact, He is everywhere. To say that He is in the heart seems to imply that He is not elsewhere, but in fact He is everywhere. And still He said that the Lord resides in the heart, because that is the place where you see Him. Just as all surfaces reflect the light, but the mirror reflects the light in a very special way, so that I can see my reflection. Even though all surfaces reflect light, in mirror I see my reflection, so you can say that my face is where the mirror is. And similarly also it is our heart, which is where, in the pure heart, which is where this recognition or realization takes place of Ishvara, of my true nature. And heart need not mean even this, this lump of flesh which we call heart, but by the heart we mean the very core. That's the very core of our personality. The core, core is of course a person, the consciousness. But even what we call the personality, even what we call our mind, body-mind complex, even there also, the very core is very beautiful, there also. Meaning our mind by its nature is pure. And therefore, the core of our person, they call it the core personality. Of course, the Vedantic core personality is, 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 is Ishvara, is Lord, is Brahman. But even if you look upon our mind as the personality, as it is, then even the mind also is very beautiful in its core. As I said, the, the mind, sattvic mind, enjoying purity, displays or exhibits all the most noble qualities. 
ahimsa, satyam, makrodha, all the divine qualities are very evident there, and that is the true nature of the mind. So that also can be called the heart. In a mind such as that, a mind that enjoys this divine attributes there, it is Ishwarha Tishtari, the Lord can be recognized as He is. In fact, every minute what we know is the Lord only. Or if every minute what we know is the Self. But then, when the, the mind itself is impure, then the Self is known also in an impure, distorted way. Our mind seems to distort the perception whenever these impurities and agitations are. And therefore a mind that is free from impurities and agitations, so that mind reflects the Self as it is. And in that sense it is said that He decides in the hearts of all the beings. <coughs> and on account of ignorance it looks as though He, he makes all the beings revolve like in a merry-go-round in this whole wheel of samsara that the beings are made to go from one embodiment together. See, He is the one that everybody is seeking. He is the one that impels everything and He is the one that everyone is seeking also. So Lord Krishna, one of His names is Rushikeshaha. Rushikaranam Indriyanam Ishaha, the one who is the Lord of all the sense organs. That is one who is impeller of all our activities. Mattasaram Pravadade, everything is impelled by me. And my sense organs, my mind go out searching for something, searching for happiness or freedom. There also is Lord, Ishwara. So Krishna, as we say, Krishna is the one who attracts everybody also. And therefore he attracts my mind, he attracts everyone because he is of the nature of ananda, he is of the nature of love and therefore he attracts everyone. In that sense also we can say that he, by impelling, so one who impels from within also is him, and one who attracts from without also is him. But because of ignorance, not knowing what it is that I want, therefore I find myself going round and round. In fact, the Lord that I am seeking is, my, is very much in my heart, but not knowing that. And thinking that he is outside me. <coughs> That's, that's ignorance. And only because of that ignorance that, just people go round and round. The sun is going round and round the earth. Around. Why is it so? Somebody asked this question, how come the sun keeps on going round and revolving around the earth? What is he searching for? He is searching for the night. Sun is, is looking for the night and therefore he goes around. He doesn't find, doesn't find the night. And similarly also this person is searching for fullness or happiness and going round and round, searching for it. But naturally he is looking for it where it is not, and that's the reason why he never finds it. Where it is, is what he is looking for is right within himself. <coughs> and therefore, because of ignorance, the people, it's not that Lord makes everybody go round the, the wheel of samsara, it is because of ignorance the people are going round. But anyway, ultimately, what is the locus of ignorance also? We will say that ignorance also is only because of him, because he is a very substratum of ignorance as well, and therefore you can say through his ignorance or through his maya, he makes everybody go round and round. Because naturally question remains, Swami, how come you are born ignorant? See, that one thing was not that life would have been so different and so wonderful, is it not so? If everybody was enlightened. Well, how come Swami, everybody is not good? Why, how come goodness does not prevail everywhere? How come the world has not been created that way? Why is evil created in the first place? I guess just to make people go round and round. Otherwise, there, I guess God seems to have an agenda also. Otherwise, there would be no creation at all. If there was only goodness, then there is no reason to, to do anything at all. If there was only enlightenment of knowledge, then also there is no reason to do anything. And therefore, the creation would not have any reason to be there. So anyway, the creation is there because of ignorance. The seeking is there is because of ignorance. And the seeking perpetuates in ignorance. In that sense it is said that the Lord makes all the beings revolve on this roller coaster of the samsara. And therefore, Tameva Sharanam Raksha. Here you seek, stop seeking refuge of anything other than the Lord. The one who is in your very heart, take refuge unto Him. Sarvabhavena Bharata. By all, by the whole being, take refuge unto the Lord, who is in your heart, who is in the very core of your heart, who is your own self. And therefore the simple meaning of the statement will be, look within yourself whatever it is that you are searching for. Whatever it is that you are searching for outside, look 
for that within yourself. But Swamiji, I'm searching for a new house. You think I'm going to look for it within myself? What do you mean look for it within yourself? I'm looking for a new job. Well, is it to be found within myself? No, not that kind of thing. But still, whatever it is that you're seeking through a new house or through a new job, and as much as we know very well that nobody wants a house for the sake of house or nobody wants money for the sake of money, whatever you want is for our own sake. Everything that you are seeking is for the sake of happiness ultimately. No, that happiness is to be looked for within yourself. Tat prasadat param shanti, make himself favorable to you. <clears throat> and all of this is discussed, what is meant by sharanam. Again, this one verse will come, the verse 66, where Lord Krishna talks about sharanam. So we'll, we'll, we'll discuss it in that time again. But here, Juna, take refuge unto the Lord. Tat prasadat, make him favorable to you. By His grace, Param Shantim Prapsasi, you will attain an abiding peace. A peace, abiding peace. A peace that is not disturbed by anything, not opposed to noise, a silence that is not opposed to noise. That kind of an abiding peace, Shashvadam Sthanam, what is said to be the eternal abode, that is what you will attain. <coughs> and thus, in all these verses, Lord Krishna has really completed His discourse. And very interesting. In the verse 63, Lord Krishna makes a very interesting statement. Let us let us read the verse 63. Itite jnana makhyatam, itite jnana makhyatam, gushyad gushyataram maya, gushyad gushyataram maya, vimrushyaita dasheshena, vimrushyaita dasheshena, it is thus, in this manner, say to you, Jnanam Akhyadam, the knowledge has been very well told by me. Asamantat Khyatam, Asamantat Tathitam, He Arjuna, in every way I have expounded to you this knowledge. <coughs> What is jnanam? One way to explain jnanam, jnayate aneneti jnanam, that by which something is known, that is Gita Shastram. Here the word jnanam means the Gita, Bhagavad Gita, the Shastram. So here, Juna, it is in this manner, I have expounded to you the Gita Shastram, the scripture called Gita, which is the scripture of knowledge. So, through this song or through this Gita, I have expounded the knowledge to you in every way. And in case it is not clear to you understand what's the nature of this knowledge, guhyad, guhyataram. Guhya means that which is a secret. Something to be, something to be hidden. Guhya means that which is to be hidden. And what do we hide is something that is very valuable, something very precious. So something which is very valuable is what we generally keep hiding in a safe, safe place some very valuable diamond, some very valuable precious stone, something very valuable, you always hide. Keep it, you know, out of the sight of the people. <clears throat> and you take only a very trustworthy or reliable person, somebody very close and reliable to you, or trustworthy, to show him. <clears throat> you take him inside the room, and then there is a room inside, and there is a big, you know, the cabinet and that. There is also another drawer, you know, you, and then there is a box, and then in the box you open, there is that smaller box, you know, that you open, and then there is, it is wrapped, you know, with, with, uh, with some paper. You open that and show him that most precious stone, something very valuable. And so, something that is hidden is that which is very valuable. And so, Gukhya means that is a secret, I would say something very valuable. See, guhya can be interpreted as a secret or can be interpreted as that which is valuable. Guhyaad, guhyataram, more valuable than even the valuable. Here, Juna, I have expounded to you the knowledge which is the most valuable, more valuable, even than any valuable. It is a great secret which is greater than any secret. It is secret also in as much as it is not just, you know, given out to anybody. In the fourth chapter also, Lord Krishna said, Bhaktosime sakhatevi rahasyam hetu uttam 
since you are my devotee and since you are my friend, very beloved of me, beloved, very, you know, very dear to me, and therefore I have told you this great secret. So, gushyat, gushyataram, jnanam, this knowledge which is a secret, a greater secret than any other secret, or which is more valuable than anything that is valuable. And why the secret? In one way the self is a secret because we can never stumble upon him. You can never stumble upon the Atma or the Self. Meaning that in my life I can never stumble upon what it is that I am searching for. It is like searching for the tenth man and regardless of what this fellow does, he can never stumble upon the tenth man. Oh yes, Swamiji, I saw the tenth man last night, I have a vision of the tenth man. When he says that, then you have to think about it, you know. You, in the dream I saw the tenth man, Swamiji. I had the vision of the tenth man. In my meditation I saw the tenth man. Who is saying this? The tenth man is saying it. Whatever you stumble upon cannot be what you are searching for. In that sense also you can say the secret because the tenth man will never know that what he is searching for is himself. It needs somebody to tell him. So some, that is why Lord says, Maya Akhyatam. This has been told by me, Shankaraja is Maya Sarvajnana Ishwarena. I who am the Lord and who is omniscient. So, now and then Lord Krishna talks about of course, very often he talks about Ishwara means God. He talks about God. He talks as God. God as the omniscient. And so last night the question of avatar, the incarnation. So Lord Krishna is the incarnation of the Lord. And what is what is the incarnation is? Incarnation retains all the attributes of the Lord. Somebody says, Swamiji, each one of us is the incarnation. That's all right. But then we don't have, we are not called incarnation. Inasmuch as we do not possess any of those powers of the Lord. So who is the Lord? One who is the capability of creation, sustenance, dissolution. And therefore one who is omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, that is called God. In the primary sense, that's what called God, and that and that God alone takes incarnation, meaning even as incarnate also, he possesses all the godly attributes. Which means Lord Krishna possesses the attribute of being omniscient. Even though he seems to be only functioning through one body, and still he possesses all the attributes of God. That is the difference between incarnation and anybody else. Even a wise person also cannot be compared to the incarnation. Because person is wise and light and see, doesn't become omniscient. He may know one or two languages or a few languages, and still you cannot say that he knows every language, he knows everything. No. God is the one who knows everything, in and out. So, Lord Krishna is God such as that, and that we have said earlier, that is one of the most important things about Bhagavad Gita. This Bhagavad Gita is called a Smriti. Vedas are called the Shruti. And they are revealed texts. And therefore they are the authority as far as we are concerned. Because they are revealed by God. And there the important is what is in the Vedas, what is important is the knowledge, the subject matter, the knowledge is important. When it comes to Smriti, Smritis are the texts which are, Smriti means memory. So what is written from memory? And the memory is that which comes from experience and therefore what is written out of one's memory is called Smriti. So Bhagavad Gita also is classified as Smriti. In Smriti, the author becomes very important. In Shruti, in the revealed text, what is revealed is very important. Jnanam is important. In Smriti, the one who reveals, one who writes becomes very important. And that is the reason why in Bhagavad Gita, the one who has given out this Gita is very important. That is, none other than Lord Narayan himself. Bhagavad Gita is that. This is emerged from the lotus mouth of Lord Narayan himself. So the one who has expounded this knowledge is none other than Lord Narayana, Maya Sarvagnena, Varama Aptena. As you know, in the sixth means of six means of knowledge, the Shabda or the testimony also is a means of knowledge. Shabda means tes- testimony. But testimony of all, of the one who is reliable, one who is trustworthy. In Sanskrit that is called Apta. So Apta Vakya, the words of one who is trustworthy and reliable and knowledgeable, those words are also looked upon as the valid means of knowledge or as valid authority, you know, of knowledge.
But is Lord Krishna, Paramapta. He is the most trustworthy. Not just ordinary apta, but most trustworthy because he is the Lord himself. So, maya sarvagnena khyadam, by me, who is the Lord, who is omniscient, by me, this great secret, which is greater than any other secret, has been very well expounded to you. Not that I just said it in a few words or a few sentences or a few verses, but I have said all of this in as many as 18 chapters, some 700 verses. This is what Lord Krishna have done. That is, setting any kind of an expectation at rest in the mind of Arjuna. In case Arjuna has still some expectation, is something more going to come, Lord? He says, no, this is it. So this is also the style of the Upanishads. Where in more than one Upanishads we find that the teacher says to the student, this is it, I have told you whatever I had to tell you. I have told you everything that I know. Or there is nothing more that remains to be known. Let the students know that. So because a student, there is some expectation now something more is still coming, something more is still to be known. Then the teacher, that expectation is set to rest by the teacher saying that, understand, you have, you have listened to everything, I have told you everything that needs to be told, and that you know everything that you need to know. Don't think that you have done anything more. You know everything that you need to know. So that is what Lord Krishna says in the first line, what he has done. And so Arjuna knows now that there is nothing more to come. This is it. Now what does he have to do? Vimushya etat asheshena Pondering over this as a whole. <coughs> Arjuna ponder over this. Deliberate upon this. Asheshena as a whole. Because this has been said in so many chapters, in so many verses, in so many contexts, that unless one has a perception, an overall perception as a whole, it will be very difficult to understand what is the purport of Bhagavad Gita. This is scripture. Scripture is something that is revealed and therefore you don't have the kind of a system that even Viveka Chudamani, it's a written text. So what we call the Prakrana Granthas or the written text, then you always have a certain system, there is a certain thought development that follows. Not that there is no thought development here, but still, that is not the point here. For a revelation just comes and that is, it is just told. It is told not in a haphazard manner, but still. It may be difficult to find connection between one chapter to the other chapter, and sometimes even from one verse to another verse. That's the reason why I require commentators like Shankaracharya to tell us. <coughs> Considering, pondering over this as a whole. Yathaichasi Tathakuru, Lord Krishna says, do as you wish. Do as you wish. But not like, just like that. Do it, no, doesn't say do as you wish. Pondering over this as a whole. Don't just think, oh, yes, Lord, you told me the other day this thing. Okay, that's what I'm going to do. Not that way. Don't take some words or something just out of context and then say, this is what you told me and that's what I'm going to do. I have told you hundreds of these verses in a number of chapters and a number of topics have been covered. Keeping in mind something, basically what Lord Krishna has said can be summarized as Brahma Vidyayam Yoga Shastra Sri Krishna Arjuna Samvadim. This Samvada dialogue between Lord Krishna and Arjuna consists of Brahma Vidya and Yoga Shastra. The means and the end, that's what Lord Krishna has said. Brahma Vidya, that's the knowledge of Brahman, which is the means for moksha. And Yoga Shastra is Karma Yoga or Bhakti Yoga, which is a means of knowledge. This is basically what Lord Krishna has said. Karma Yoga or understand that as Bhakti Yoga. See, we don't like to call Bhakti Yoga because Bhakti is something that is woven when you perform the karma or when you are even seeking the knowledge and therefore Bhakti flows through and through. But in the first level, the bhakti and the devotion is expressed by way of karma, by way of service. And karma is understood as duty or as service. And secondly, the same devotion is pursued by way of knowledge, pursuit of knowledge. These are the two things that Lord Krishna has said. He has said only one thing basically. He has said, Tattvamasi, you are that thou art. That is what he has said in all these chapters. The first chapters talked about you. 
the second six chapters talked about God, the third six chapters talked about the identity between the two, and so Tattvamasi, that thou art, the identity between Jiva and Brahma. The idea, this is basically what is revealed because that is the subject matter of the Upanishads. Sarvakshetreshu, that also Lord Krishna said, Kshetrajnam Chavimam Vidhi Sarvakshetreshu Bharata, here Arjuna may you know that I am the self in all the personalities. I am the person in all the personalities. And so these two have been revealed as Brahma Vidya. Everything is Brahman. Everything is God. You are also God. I am also God. Everybody is God. Everything is God. Now how that is so is to be understood. And Lord Krishna has spent a lot of time explaining that. How everything is God. And all there is is God. This is the vision. Not only that there is one God, but there is only God. All there is is God. Until that is discovered, our discovery is not complete. Everything is divine. Everything is beautiful, harmonious, whatever. That's what everything is. And that is to be discovered. And to discover that I require a certain kind of a mind, which is called the Shuddhan Tahkaranam, a mind that enjoys freedom from any projections, freedom from the likes and dislikes. And that is Yoga Shastra. And therefore, by living a certain way of life, which is prescribed here, yeah, living the way of life, which is called the life based on duty, performed in the spirit of devotion, one gains in course of time what we call the antahkaran, the mind that enjoys that purity. And with that mind one can see. When I don't project, at this time I always project something. Because I project something on myself. Since I look upon myself as, as an insecure person or an inadequate person, they will always project something upon others also. And therefore, I do not see the things as they are. And my mind or my perception is distorted. And therefore, it is necessary that we have a perceiving mind and not a projecting mind. That's the transformation that should take place from a seeing mind rather than a projecting mind. As long as Rajas Tamas are there, Ragadveshas are there, the mind is bound to project. My insecurities are projected out there. My sadness is projected out there. My needs are projected out there and that's how I look upon the world in a projected way. I don't look upon things as they are because I don't look upon myself as I am. And what I therefore require is a mind that does not project, just perceives. That is called Shuddhan Dhakranam, a mind enjoying the purity. And for that, Karma Yoga. So Karma Yoga and Jnana Yoga, these are the two main topics, Brahma Vidya and Yoga Shastra. This is what Arjuna has said. Asheshena Vimrasya and pondering over that as a whole. Yathaitsasi Tathakuru and then do as you wish. Lord doesn't, Lord Krishna doesn't do, do what I tell you to do. Do as you wish. How beautiful this is. And people love this, this verse. They love this verse. Look in Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna says to Arjuna, do as you wish. That is a freedom. And so, as Swamiji always says, the freedom can be taught only in, atm- in an atmosphere of freedom. You cannot impose rules upon the people and then for them to learn freedom, you know. But anyway, you can't impose things upon people for them to learn what freedom is. And therefore, but then Lord Krishna says it now, at the end of 18th chapter, he says, you do as you wish. I'm sure that Lord Krishna is quite confident that Arjuna is going to do what is right for him. So he has a confidence in his own teaching that he has taught and unfolded everything that needs to be unfolded. And he also has a, a trust or he has faith in, in, in the student also that he has understood what has been taught. If that confidence is not there, you cannot give this liberty. So this liberty is given to the person who has the maturity. Understand that the freedom always requires maturity, otherwise freedom is abused. When do you give freedom to do what you want? If you give freedom to the one who is not mature enough, in fact that freedom will hurt the person rather than help him. It is not that freedom always helps because freedom requires to be assimilated and freedom requires to be owned up and that requires a maturity. And therefore Lord Krishna has spent all this time in cultivating that maturity in the mind of Arjuna. And now Arjuna is ready to enjoy the freedom. What freedom? 
freedom of deciding what he wants to do. Yathayatsasi tathakuru, pondering over that. Nadu kamakarena, not out of an impulse, not just taking one portion of the teaching, not out of an impulse, don't decide it just out of uh, some fancy, but let that be a mature decision, take into account everything that has been taught. And then decide, then do what you want to do, as you think fit. And so, this will not be told in the Karmakanda section. In the section of the rituals or do's and don'ts, they will not say this, do this and don't do that. Because we do not give benefit of doubt to the person that he can decide. So as long as the person does not have maturity, we do not ask, do not allow him to do what he wants to do. So in India, children will not be allowed to do what they want to do. This is their estimate of their children anyway. The idea is that depends on what your estimate is. What do you think the other person is capable of doing? You think that he's not mature enough to decide what is good for him, then you decide for him what is good and tell him to do that. You must go to medical school. That's it. Get married to this girl. Do this. Read everything may be told, you know. Everything may be told. Because the parents just don't know of the confidence that the boy or girl, they are mature enough to really make this very important decision of their life and therefore we should make that decision. That's one extreme. Other extreme is do what you want. Another extreme. And that also sometimes when maturity is not there and people do what they want, they get damaged in that process also. But we need, we need actually a, a you know, a combination of the two. Where, so the real, the, the real healthy relationship is one, in which there is nigraha and anugraha. Anugraha means favoring, giving freedom, accepting, favoring. Nigraha is restraining. A judicious combination of restraining and favoring. But then, when the student is mature, then there is no restraining at all, then there is freedom. So Lord Krishna is confident that now Arjuna has gained that maturity by which he will be able to benefit, benefit from his freedom and therefore may you make a decision as you think fit. Let it be your decision and not my decision. Very often people want to be told, so many ways, why do you tell me what to do? Don't keep on giving all these lectures, you know, and that's all, tell me what to do. I'll do that. Tell me I'll wake up at four o'clock in the morning, sit for one hour and do this, half an hour and do that. And most people like that. In India also, when there are huge audiences in this Bhagavatam, Ramayana, Kathas are being, you know, the, the Kathakaras are there, the discourse, religious discourse are being given, and they always do that. You should not do this, you should not do that, this is what you should do, this is what you should do. And people love that, you know, because somebody else is singing for them and somebody else is making decision for them, and so somebody else takes responsibility for them. So we like that somebody should take my responsibility. It's very comfortable. And that is all right as long as that is to be done, that also is required. And therefore the elders or parents have to take the responsibility until the child grows to a certain age of, I mean, stage of maturity. That's what the scriptures also do. That in the Karmakanda section, they take the responsibility of what I should do. In the Upanishads, I am given the freedom to decide what I want to do. So now in Bhagavad Gita, in Lord Krishna, gives that freedom to Arjuna. Let it be your decision. And understand that the decision should be made in a very wise manner, by taking into account every aspect. So, considering or pondering over this in its entirety. And then make a decision and do as you wish. <coughs> If Arjuna said at this time, Lord, my decision is that I'm not going to fight, God bless you. I'm going to fight, God bless you. This is what Lord Krishna would have said. Lord Krishna, the teacher, has no axe to grind. He has nothing. He has no agenda for Arjuna. All people feel that Lord Krishna had Lord Krishna agenda for Arjuna. He wanted him to fight because otherwise who will who will fight this battle? And Lord Krishna wanted that all these evil forces should be destroyed, and the way he wanted Arjuna to do that task. And therefore, Tasmad Yudhya Svabharata, again and again, Lord Krishna says to Arjuna, therefore, Arjuna, you fight, you arise and fight. And so, Lord Krishna is teaching Arjuna to fight. 
this is also a tatpari nischaya. This is how people understand the purport of the Gita. Not at all. He said, Chachita Sagaru, where is it? He may have said, Arjuna, when he needed, when he thought Arjuna needed to be told, he said, Tasmad Yajjasa Bharata. All right, therefore Bharata, you should fight. You should perform your duty. But now, at the end says, do as you wish to do. And so, this is the freedom. And the freedom requires a lot of responsibility. This is the freedom of choice that the human being has, and Lord Krishna wants to exercise that freedom. But understand, exercise the freedom wisely. And therefore, take into account everything that has been said, make a decision. <coughs> it is not that Arjuna is left hanging and do what you want. Not that way. That whatever has been, whatever needs to be told, has been told. And therefore now, you have all the material to make a decision for yourself. Do that. And still we may say, but Lord, you have said 700 verses and you know, so many things are being told, how am I going to, how am I going to ponder the whole thing as a whole and come, you know, how am I going to decide this? How shall I do that? And therefore, for the person who is not able to do this Pariyalocharam, is not able to reflect upon the whole thing, Lord obliges. See, that is the tremendous kindness here. All right? Arjuna, in case you are not able to do that, I will do it for you. And so, the next verse, Lord Krishna says, Sarva guhyatamam bhūyaha Sarva guhyatamam bhūyaha Shrunume paramam vachaha Shrunume paramam vachaha Ishto sime drudhamiti Ishto sime drudhamiti Tato vakshyamite hitam Again, listen. Even though it has been said a number of times earlier, again listen. To this, Paramam Vacha, the highest utterance, the ultimate statement, the highest utterance on my part, which is what? Sarva Gukhyatamam which is the profoundest secret of all. So listen to me now, my highest utterances, which reveal the most profound secret. Hey Arjuna, even though I have said this earlier, Bhūyahasrunu, listen to it again. Then when somebody says, we wonder, why are you telling me that? Why do, again, do you have something, some agenda? So I am summarizing for you. First he said that you ponder over that and make a decision. Let it be your decision. Otherwise, let it not be that you are following my instruction because then it becomes an obligatory duty because Lord Krishna said, then I am doing it. The Swami says, therefore I am doing it. That's okay. Then I can do as long as it is convenient to do. If it has not become my conviction, then sometimes that is gets shaken up. The values also must be assimilated values, then alone I am able to follow them. Otherwise, I follow the values as long as it is convenient, and then I drop them. So also it is necessary to assimilate the teaching and arrive at that decision, so that it becomes his conviction, and then he will be able to exercise, you know, the necessary willpower, and necessary strength he will be able to display, to overcome any kind of obstacles that come. It is not easy to pursue any decision. Obstacles are bound to come. And if there is a conviction, then more firm a conviction is, more ability you have to be able to overcome those obstacles. That you are not shaken up. Therefore, Lord Krishna wants it to be Arjuna's decision. And then he should ponder over it as a whole. So, Lord Krishna says, I will again summarize for you the whole. Why are you doing it? Isto sime dhramiti. Because you are, you are ever dear to me. You are very firmly dear to me. That's why I am doing it. And therefore, na bhayat, na artha Shankaraja says, not out of fear that you may do something that I do not want, you know. What happens is, sometimes having given freedom, you worry. What if he doesn't do that? So you think that, okay, when I give him the freedom, he will do that. But then you get worried, you know, I suppose he doesn't do that. Is that the reason that Lord Krishna is worried that maybe Arjuna might make a decision that is not convenient to Lord Krishna? 
No, not out of that fear. Or he wants Arjuna to make a given decision so that he stands to gain, not out of that also. It is not out of any personal gain that I have at stake that I am telling you this. Ishtosimedradam. I am telling you because you are ever extremely dear to me. Tataha and therefore, Tehitam Vakshami, I will tell you of, tell you of that which is most beneficial to you. <coughs> and so, well, the one who is dear will always, uh, so, since you are very dear to me, that's the reason why I'm telling you, just for your benefit. <coughs> and therefore, again, out of total kindness, Lord Krishna summarizes for Arjuna the whole teaching, just in two verses. So he can ponder over that, and then he can decide. Because it may be difficult for Arjuna to go over the whole teaching. You may not even remember what, what did you say in the beginning? What was it? You know, what was that in the second chapter? What did you study in the third chapter? You know, by the time you come to later chapter, you forget naturally. Of course, these students are not like that. Uh, those students are of different category also because they had nothing else to do. Of course, I mean, since these days we have millions of things to do, we can take our one week, a year at the most, you know or one day in a month or something like that, which is also very difficult, so many engagements we have and so many things to worry about, so we can't be expected to, that's okay. But the student is like Nachiketa was a student, and Yamaraja described to him very complicated ritual. And I asked him to, and he recited the whole thing verbatim. He was so impressed, even Yamaraja also was so impressed, that he gave him some extra boom, he says, oh, you are all right, you know. So, I would expect that we would expect that Arjuna remembers what all is told to him. But anyway, even if you remember it, still to be able to understand it, you require a certain perceptive mind to be able to find, get the purport of what is said. And so Lord Krishna says, I'm going to summarize for you briefly what all I have already told you. Again I will tell you, even though it has been said a number of times, because you are extremely dear to me, and because you are dear to me, therefore, what is in my heart is your welfare. So, therefore, I will tell you that which is most beneficial to you. What is most beneficial? Moksha. What is most, what is beneficial? Moksha. Liberation. And what's the means of liberation? The knowledge. Knowledge in two stages. Yoga Shastra and Brahma Vidya. So, these two things are we told. Lord Krishna has basically told these two things. Yoga Shastra and Brahma Vidya. The Bhakti Yoga or Karma Yoga and the knowledge. You can say karma and jnana, or action and renunciation, these two things are told. As you said in the chart, first is karma yoga, and ultimately that karma yoga is of a kind of a renunciation, followed by the ultimate renunciation. So therefore, pravritti and navritti, engagement, disengagement, action and renunciation, these two things are told. And therefore, Lord Krishna is now going to summarize these two in the following two verses action or bhakti, devotion and renunciation, or knowledge. And so, devotion and knowledge, so devotion is through action and knowledge is through renunciation. Therefore, action, devotion, so action performed in the manner of devotion and the knowledge performed with or pursued with renunciation. So, these are themes that Lord Krishna has taught and they are going to summarize in the following two verses. In the verse 65. Manmana bhavamad bhaktaha, manmana bhavamad bhaktaha, madhyaji maam namaskuru, madhyaji maam namaskuru, mame vaishyasi satyante, mame vaishyasi satyante, pratijane priyosime, pratijane priyosime. Manmanabhava. Think of one whose mind is fixed on me. Have your mind fixed on me. Meaning give up, give your mind to me. Let I be this, I be the theme or the subject matter of whatever you think. That's all. Think about me. Manmanabhava. May your mind be devoted to me. That is, what the mind does is thinking. And ever think. So, sada maam chintaya. All the time think of me. All the time deliberate upon me. All the time inquire into my nature. All the time try to understand me. All the time think of me. 
what will happen? See, so first of all we are asked to think, we are asked to inquire, we are asked to learn, we are asked to understand. As you know, understand me first. Who am I? Look, I am the one without a second, one non-dual, I am the self of all. I am the very creator, sustainer, dissolver, I am the omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, everywhere. And I am the self of all. I am the very order of the harmony in the life. I am that very love, you know, out of which the whole creation has come. And I am the very love by which maintains the whole universe. And which maintains the harmony in the whole universe. I am the very nature of anugraha, the grace. And it is my grace alone that is evident to the whole universe. So look at me, understand me first. And so the whole universe is in front of us. Of course the teaching also is there for us to understand that what there is in our life is nothing but grace. So Lord in the form of grace is always there in our life. As Swamiji said, you always enjoy the grace every minute. The breath is going out and is coming back, that is grace. That I go to sleep and then I wake up in the morning, that is grace. That I eat the food, it gets digested, that's all grace. And therefore, Every minute, every second you are enjoying the grace. So that is why the, the, the acharyas, the devotion, they always describe Lord as nothing but anugraha swarupa, of the nature of grace. So they like the eyes of Lord the most because from there the very grace is always flowing out. Manmana bhava, think of me, know about my glories. <coughs> How great Lord is, know about the greatness of the Lord. And as far as we are concerned, different, different people always have different things that fascinate them. Some people are fascinated because of the power that he has, and look at the intelligence, and look at the omniscience, whatever it that fascinates, you will see it all. Or some people are more inspired because of the compassion and love that they see. Some people are inspired because of the knowledge that they see. Some people are inspired because of the creativity that they see. Some people are inspired by the power that they see. Some people are inspired just by the tremendous dimension that they see. And therefore, as you think of me, you'll find, you know, that you'll discover in yourself a tremendous inspiration and therefore a devotion for me. A reverence first and then devotion for me. A reverence comes to me when I see the, the grandeur or the greatness of the Lord. And the devotion comes into me when I see His compassion. Manmanabhava, Arjuna, think of me. Know about me, know my glories. Madhbhaktaha, then you become my devotee. How to discover devotion? Discovering devotion is to know more and more about him. Of course, sometimes what happens is more we know about somebody, less devoted we become also. That's, that's, that's what the worldly thing, that's okay. Sometimes it's better not to know too much, you know, then our devotion remains. As far as the mortals are concerned, don't go too close to anybody, otherwise you will be disillusioned, whatever. But not so about Lord. More you know about Him, more we understand Him. Then, more reverence and more sense of gratitude. And that's how more devotion we discover. Mahatma Jnana Purvasu, that's the reason why listening to the glory of the Lord is something, is one of the very important things. In the devotion of the Lord also, Shravanam Kirtanam Vishnoho, Vishnoho Shravanam, listening to the Vishnu, listening to the glories, of the Lord. So that is considered the very first step in devotion. <coughs> Kirtanam. And when you listen, when you enjoy that, you also start singing. So what happens is when you see something that you really enjoy, you want to share it with others. Hey, come. So last yesterday morning as I was coming from my cottage, you know, one of our person who works here, you know, this Tim, says, Swamiji, look at the sun. When you go near the temple, look at the sun. The sun looks just red, because there was mist yesterday morning, you know, and the sun was just looking red. So he just met me, and he told me, he just could not contain himself, you know, and he wanted to share the joy. So, when we know, when we enjoy something, then we want to share with it. So when you listen to the teaching, when you listen to the glory of the Lord, then you always want to share with others, Kirtanam, you also start singing the same thing, you also start sharing with others, Sharanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu. So when somebody comes along whom you think that would be interested, you start saying this. That's called Kirtanam. And when there is nobody, Smaranam, you remember it within yourself. So when you have the opportunity, listen to his glories. When you have the opportunities, speak of his glories. 
when none of them is possible, remember his glories. Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, Smaranam. And when that becomes a little difficult, you know, Swamiji, my mind gets distracted. No, no, Pada Sevanam, then all right, you serve him. You know, serve him. Do his puja. So this is the, these are all the ways of expression of, of the word devotion, the love. These are also the ways of discovering love as well as ways of expressing the love. Madmana bhava, madbhaktaha. Arjuna, more you know about me, more devotion you discover about me. And therefore, may your mind be devoted to me, may your mind be fixed on me, and then, that is how you will become my devotee. Let your devotion be to me. And you are a devotee, everybody is born a devotee. Each one of us is born a devotee, and therefore, at any moment you are always devoted to somebody or something. And it's easy to discover devotion for the one or for that, which is very fascinating and inspiring to me. And as you know, you'll find out that ultimately I am the inspirer of all the inspirations. So whatever that appears to you to be fascinating or inspiring, see me that, because that's where I am. In the eleventh chapter it says that, wherever you find any glory, where you find any strength, where you find any brilliance, understand that, that is an expression of a part of me. <coughs> and therefore, Mun Mam Sadachinte, all the time think of me. Learn about me, understand me, you'll discover the devotion for me. <coughs> so really the knowledge has done its job fructified when it results into devotion. <coughs> and by knowledge in Parokshajnana, the Parokshajnana, the indirect knowledge is the fructification of that, is to discover devotion or love. And the fructification of love is to have the Parokshajnana or the immediate knowledge. So, Bhaktas will always say that Jnana is a means, Bhakti is an end. The Vedanta will always say Bhakti is a means, Jnana is an end, but that's true. When it comes to Saguna Brahma, the knowledge always is Paroksha Jnana, and therefore that Jnana of Saguna Brahma is the mean, is the, becomes the means of the devotion, and that devotion ultimately becomes means of knowing that Brahman is my own self. So, Paroksha Jnana becomes the means of Bhakti, and Bhakti becomes the means of Aparoksha Jnanam, or knowing the Lord is my own self. So, Manmana Bhava, Mad Bhakto Bhava, become my devotee. That means, let your love also be in, for me alone. And therefore, wherever you love, discover me there, and that's how all the love will be focused upon me. So, let your mind be fixed on me, let all your love also be focused upon me, by understanding. So, more you understand me, more you discover love for me. And more you understand anything that you love right now, you will be able to see me and that's how you will be able to discover that love for me. And when there is love for somebody, what do we do? Madhyaji, perform all your, perform all your activities for me, serve me. Naturally, when there is love, you always want to do something. Is it not so? So bhakti, actually bhakti is a word derived from the root bhaj in the sense of seva, bhaj sevayam. So bhakti really means seva. Shiva means what? Serving. Madhyaji Bhava. Ajuna, as you discover the law for me, may your actions be all offered to me, naturally. So, I want to do something, I want to please the one whom I love. Because that's the beauty of the love that I become happy by seeing my object of love happy. That's one beautiful thing about love. In other relationships, I am happy because I am happy. But when there is love, I am happy because the beloved is happy. So there is one joy coming from eating, there is another joy coming from feeding. And that's a subtler joy. So Madhyaji, discover the love for me, and then Madhyaji, serve me. Meaning that, perform all your actions as dedicated to me. There is Karma Yoga. <coughs> so understand Karma Yoga presupposes earlier steps. Madhyaji meaning what? Perform all the sacrifices for me or perform all your rituals or actions for me. So perform all your actions in the spirit of devotion. When can that be done? When the devotion is there in the first place. When will the devotion be there? When there is proper understanding. So number one, let there be proper understanding of God. And that will help me to discover the devotion for God. And will help me to perform the action in the spirit of devotion as an offering to the Lord. Maam Namaskuru, and thus bow down to me. What is bow down to me? Bow down, who is bowing down? Your ego, that's all. 
And that's how let the ego be surrendered to me. Which means that your raga dveshas, your attachments and aversions, let them be offered to me. <coughs> so let the rajas and tamas be offered to me. So all this will, this is a process of what we call inner purification. Therefore, Shankaracharya explains this as the karma yoga or the bhakti yoga. Bhakti yoga and karma yoga are not different. That is, when karma is performed with bhakti, it becomes yoga. But before I can perform the action with devotion, it presupposes devotion. And devotion presupposes also a knowledge or understanding. Because the devotion that arises without understanding can be shaken up also. If it is some devotion, but then when things don't go my way, sometimes my devotion can be shaken up. But my devotion will become firm to the extent that my knowledge is clear. So Lord Krishna wants a devotion arising out of understanding. And he wants the service arising out of the devotion. And that service becoming means of surrendering to me, to him, all the obstacles that I have. Maam Namaskaru. That is called Namaskara. Namaskara means what? Giving up the resistance. Namaskara means identifying with the Lord. Identify with me. This whole process of identification. <coughs> then what will happen? As a result, Maam Eva Eshasi. You will reach me alone. You will reach me alone. That means that you will definitely reach me. And reach me only. <coughs> What's the guarantee? So this verse is the last verse of the ninth chapter. Except the second line is different. Here Lord Krishna changed the second line. Then, Mame Vaishas Yuktvayvam Atmanam Mat Parayanaha. Here, Mame Vaishas Satyam De Pratijane Priyosime. The second line is changed here. Te Satyam Pratijane, I am making this, I am giving this promise. So, Satyam Pratijane means, it can be understood as two ways. I promise this truth to you, or I truthfully promise this to you. Maamevesha say that you will reach me. Because that I do not know. I do not know the end result of all of these dedication to Lord and therefore it is necessary that there must be an assurance and therefore Lord Krishna gives an assurance that if you proceed in this manner, Maamevesha say that you will definitely reach me and reach me alone. I am making this a promise to you. And by God, you know, so we say, Satyam Pradhyane, in truth I am making this promise to you or I make this truthful promise to you. Why do you do all of this? Priyosime, because you are dear to me, that's all. So it is love, Lord Krishna does it all out of love. And this is what happens when, when Vyavara takes place out of love. You always want to do something that is beneficial, that is called love. In any relationship where there is love, there is always a concern about one whom I love. And the main concern is how that person should be happy. And if I am a mature person, then I know that the only way the other person can be happy, whom I love, is by growth. So knowing fully well that it is by spiritual growth that a person can really become happy, the real way of expressing love is to be able to help the other person grow. That's all. Priyosime. Since you are very dear to me, I know that the only way, the only thing which will really benefit to you is when you become one with me. Which I know you want. And therefore, this is the way that you become one with me. That is, that's the way that you reach me. And since you are very dear to me, I am saying it only out of a total concern or love for you. This has been said a number of times in the Gita. Tatteham priyamanaya vakshami hitakamya In the 10th chapter, I am saying this again to you because I see that you are really enjoying what it is that I am saying and as motivated by your well-being, I am saying this to you. <coughs> and so Lord Krishna, there many promises are given. Pratijane, I do the pratijna, I promise that this will definitely happen, that you reach me and I am saying this to you because you are dear to me. <coughs> so thus, Lord Krishna promised that is greatest of all the secrets, I am going to summarize for you. In the verse 65, Lord Krishna has summarized the first part, which is what we call the Bhakti Yoga. The second verse, 
will summarize what we call the Jnanam or the Sanyasa. That is verse 66. That we will see in the next class. <coughs> Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamagachave Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashishyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Vadarayanam Sutra Bhashakrutau Vande Bhagavantau Punapunaham Ishvara Gururatmedi Murti Bheda Vibhagine Vyomavadhyakta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaha Om Shantisha Tishanti Hari Om Shri Gurubhya